America has the bones of many British businesses strewn across it. Um, failed British businesses is one of the things that he said. Because at that stage, when he was doing business, it was a massive logistical challenge. But obviously these days, with technology, it's, it's made, made a lot easier. We were talking to people and they were saying, well, it's going to start with a four, as in $400,000. It'll be a 50% bonus um, on that number. Um, and what we worked out was you weren't guaranteed to necessarily get someone that was very good for that amount of money. It's not difficult for, for a company to, to get rid of somebody after working for them for 15 years with two, two weeks notice. You know, it, that's, a, that's a type of thing that will happen. Sometimes what you'll hear uh, about people who've been in the US, they'll say things like, it was kind of... A, it was kind of different because we'd have lots of meetings and everyone smiled and said lots of positive things and then nothing happened. And he decided that he would Airbnb when he first got there. So we Airbnb and bead for a couple of months and he chose Harlem. <laughs> and uh, he didn't leave uh, his apartment at night for three months or whatever it was, you know, because it was too terrifying. And then in the first year, we did $2 million of sales. So um, it... You know, it was it that was pretty clear then that mm. it was a big, uh, it was it was a big opportunity. Welcome to Screw It, Just Do It, brought to you by Startup U, inspiring, educating, and connecting the startup community to help you make a full-time living doing what you love. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, fellow entrepreneur. Virgin Mentor and founder of Startup U, the regional delivery partner for Virgin Startup. Each episode provides the story of an entrepreneur who talks us through their successes and failures. You get to take on board all of their learnings and none of the failure. Welcome to episode 127 of Screw It, Just Do It. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell. And on this week's episode, I speak to Richard Townsend, CEO and co-founder of Circus Street. Now, this is a live event that we recorded uh, courtesy of British American Business at the Deloitte offices in London. It was the first of a series of events um, aimed at fostering transatlantic trade relations between the UK and the US. Um, British American Business launched it in the US and they've now brought it over to the UK and it was my pleasure to be part of this initial event. So before we start I'd like to say a massive massive thank you to everybody who listened to last week's episode put us at number two on the iTunes charts and now in 110 countries across the world as well. That's 10 just in 2019. So massive thank you for making that happen. If you haven't listened to last week's episode with Juliet Barrett from Grenade, then I strongly encourage you to do so. It's pretty damn popular and a good reason to be so. Um, also like to thank the latest review we had, which is from Grant Horan, who says, I first came across Screw It, Just Do It after a post by Roger Woodall and haven't looked back since. There is always something to learn and take from each podcast and the insights across many different industries are excellent, providing inspiration, entertainment and encouragement. Keep up the good work. Certainly will, Grant. Thank you. And he even titles the um, review, Inspertainment. 
brand new word, but I like it. It kind of encapsulates, obviously, um, the inspiration, the entertainment, and maybe a little bit of education in there as well that we um, do provide um, on the show. If you'd like to leave um, a rating and a review, I will give you um, a shout out on the show. Um, Simply scroll down the app that you're listening to this podcast where it says ratings and reviews. Um, Literally would take you 15 seconds to leave a one sentence review on there and just means so many more people get to hear the show. My aim to get this in every single country um, on the world. And um, we've made a pretty good start, 110 countries after two years. So um, further information um, about this show, all the latest updates, all the live events that we do as well, simply go to the Facebook page for Screw It, Just Do It, and that's got the most up-to-date information. It's updated um, a couple of times a day. So on with today's um, podcast. Um subject is transatlantic trade. It's something that we haven't done a specific episode on before, but we have touched on it on a number of occasions. Um, a couple recently being podcast I did with Anthony Fletcher from Grays, and also the episode um, only last week with Grenade, um, Grenade's Juliet Barrett as well. So, you know, we all know that the transatlantic trading relationship um, is one of the most successful on planet Earth, and every day there are goods and services worth millions of pounds that are being exported and imported across the Atlantic. Uh, Thousands and thousands of British and US firms have already invested in or are finding their way towards successful transatlantic growth. So as I mentioned earlier, British American Business put together this series of events titled Accelerate, and each one showcases a business and invites other businesses with similar growth aspirations to listen, ask questions, and to learn enabling them to accelerate their own growth. So first of these events, um, I chatted to Richard Townsend, co-founder and CEO of Circus Street. Circus Street is an online school which teaches companies how to do business in a digital world and upskills teams at scale. Richard believes we're just at the very start of what is possible when you combine technology and education. I spoke to him about the realities and pitfalls of expanding and transforming businesses across the Atlantic. He's based here in the UK, whereas his brother Johnny is based on the other side of the Atlantic in New York. In this episode, I speak to Richard about talent and how to obtain it, FaceTime, meeting people one-to-one, product and ensuring yours is the best in its class, and referrals, making sure that you're maximizing every opportunity. You'll also briefly hear from Emmanuel Adam. He's the Executive Director and Director of Policy and Trade at British American Business and the man to speak to if you are looking to scale your business in the US or vice versa. Uh, British American Business being the leading authority in the UK for transatlantic trade. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this as much as I did hosting it live. Let's start up. Circus Street is an online education business um, that teaches uh, companies uh, about technology um, and the impact of technology uh, on their business, essentially. Um, And we do it at scale, so we tend to be talking about thousands of people. Uh, We tend to be talking about global contracts. Um, So the US is just a part of that. Uh, and, I, and I'm the CEO, so I, I run the business on a day-to-day level. Yeah. Uh, my brother is the president of the US, um, 
Do you like which, that title? Which, <laughs> who gave him that title? <laughs> so, so, so I'm the younger brother ah. and the chief exec. So the, the fact that he got to call himself president uh, helped. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and what kind of timeline from when you started the business before you started having thoughts about um, setting up office in, in the US, would you say? Um, it was about s- five years. Um, okay. Yeah, and and by uh, and by that stage, we were already doing. Uh, we already had quite a number of users in the US. So the, the, as I say, we, we tend to be working with global contracts and and um, and global teams within customers. Mm-hmm. Um, so so we had quite a number of users in the US. Um, so we kind of knew that the product was was working um, before we went out there. Okay, and was that just organic growth that ended up in the US because you weren't targeting the US at that point, I take it? Or? No, I mean, we knew that uh, that the US would be a big market and was a big opportunity. Um, and we knew that, you know, we were already getting traction there in terms of users. Um, so so we just wanted to expand that opportunity, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was your strategy at the time? And what was your expectation at the time? And what's the reality been so many years down the line? Well, I mean, essentially, we wanted to set up a sales office because we had, as I say, a number of quite a number of users out there. We could see that um, we, were, we were mainly targeting uh, large global businesses, but the US we, we kind of saw it slightly differently because each state has five billion dollar businesses you've never heard of, you know. So, um, so we could we knew it was a huge opportunity, and we the rest of the world we were kind of picking up global business. But in the US, uh, we could see that there were some very large domestic accounts. You know, Hershey's was one of the accounts, as an example, that we, we picked up. And we also wanted to account manage the, uh, the users that we had in, yeah. in the region. So initially, it was kind of a account management role, but we, we also knew that it was a, uh, a big opportunity. And I suppose the strategy was um, uh, we... Uh, we we started we went out there and, and and started to have conversations. We knew that it was a sales office that we wanted to uh, to have out there because the the, the product was built in the UK, um, and um, we started conversations. And a sales director role, we were talking to people and they were saying, "Well, it's going to start with a four, <laughs> as in four hundred thousand dollars. It'll be a fifty percent bonus um, on that number." Um, and what we worked out was you weren't guaranteed to necessarily get someone that was very good for that amount of money. That was in, that was in New York, right? And, you know, and that's within our sector. So it's somebody who knew the media sector. And the reason we weren't guaranteed to get someone that was, was very good was because that's the same in any region, right? If you don't know the region, you're not in there, you might not get... Someone's very good. You're going to love that, aren't you? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. so our strategy was the same strategy all over the world. So we've got an office in Australia. We've got an office in Singapore. Uh, two offices in the US, and we send people from territories that know the business. So it was always from the UK. So our head of account management is in Australia now. Um, our head of sales is in Singapore, <laughs> old head of sales. Johnny was the, my brother, founder, years and years of sales experience. We sent him, I sent him to the US. Um, and, uh, and then just, we've just, we're just setting up an office in uh, Houston in Texas. 
uh, Austin, Texas, sorry. Uh, and we, um, we've sent someone from the New York office out to set that office up. Okay. Um, so, so, so that was our strategy. And, and how did that conversation go between the two brothers with, uh, regarding who went to the States and who stayed in the UK? Uh, he, well, he was single. So, uh, and I'd just got married and, and had two small kids. So logistically, it made more sense for him to go. But the other thing was that he had spent uh, 20 years in, 25 years in sales. Um, actually started working for my dad. Um, who said to us, I remember him saying to us when we were young, um, the uh, America has the bones of many British businesses strewn across it. Um, failed British businesses is one of the things that he said. Because at that stage, when he was doing business, it was a massive logistical challenge. But obviously these days, with technology, it's, it's made, made a lot easier. And Johnny had started working for him when he was like 18. And he'd been in sales and he was 40 at the time. 42 at the time so um he um he was the obvious person to send out there because it was a sales job yeah I was, and i was going to say so the first hire um were you always thinking sales specific to your business or do you think that's could be related to most businesses i think i mean if the product's built in the uk uh or in a different region um i think mainly you're you're, you're selling out there you know um it's like a lot of the businesses I deal with here, the sales officers um, for US businesses. Um, so, so, so I think that's, for me, certainly our experience, I can't talk across all sectors, but our experience is you've got to know how to sell. Yeah. You know? And a lot of the differences that you see that people talk about, um, they're mitigated by, by being able to sell. Mm. Um, and, and when it came to picking where location-wise, you're gonna land, so to speak, in the states. Yeah. Um, what were your initial thoughts, and and what did it boil down to decision making? Uh, I just I wrote notes, uh, a couple of notes, because you know it's been a while, so I tend to forget things. But uh, uh, so um, first and foremost, where you're most likely to do business. You know, people talk about incorporating businesses in places like Delaware, and then doing business in New York because it's you know tax efficient and. Yeah. Uh, but you know the IRS and the inland revenue can be cruel mistresses, so we wanted to be above board. So you know, the tax thing, it it was there, but it was much further down. So for us, it was about where we were going to do business. Availability of talent is obviously key. Mm. So you know where you know any business, you know really it's about people. Um, so getting good people is really important. The cost of that talent. The availability of that talent, the cost of office space, um, uh, so so they were they were things, and then and then sort of later on, uh, Austin because it enables it enables us to cover the US more effectively, um, and Denver will be the next one uh, because it puts us on mountain time, uh, and gives us two hours extra in the in the day basically to do business. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you know, you've got a different time zone, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and tell me about what it's taken to to build and then manage a team, which are clearly two very different things, but what's been, what kind of challenges have you, you had in that regard? Um, well, we, it's important to, um, to have uh, US people 
out there, right? You send someone maybe from the UK uh, to start to start things moving. But um, you know, culturally, there are some things that are quite different. So, uh, from a business perspective, um, it's perhaps a less secure market for employees. Right? So, um, a lot of businesses have um, uh, very short notice periods. You know, um, it's it, it, it's not difficult for for a company to to get rid of somebody after working for them for fifteen years with two two weeks notice. You know, it, mm-hmm. that's a that's the type of thing that will happen. Um, and so, you know, it can make um, it can make uh, doing business with people in the U.S. Uh, different in the sense that they can be risk averse. Mm-hmm. So we found in, in organizations that more more than here sometimes um, people will do business by consensus. And so from a sales perspective, what that means is you need to be you need to have multiple contacts within an organization and you need to be able to build consensus on their behalf. Sometimes what you'll hear uh, about people who've been in the US, they'll say things like, it was kind of a it was kind of different because we'd have lots of meetings and everyone smiled and said lots of positive things and then nothing happened. That's something you'll hear a lot about the US, you know? Um, Johnny describes doing business in the US as a bit like doing business in the north of England, you know? He didn't really love doing business in uh, the UK, in the UK media scene because he found it a bit too touchy-feely. You know, everyone was, you know... It was very networked. Um, you, you, you couldn't upset people. You know, it was that kind of thing. In the north of England, sales in the north of England is much more direct. You know, you say you say what you feel. And in the US, and particularly in New York, you can do that. You know, you can you can be honest and, and frank. Um, and if you don't do that, you'll find yourself in a lot of meetings where, you know, um, one in a lot of meetings. <laughs> you know. Uh, and we, we spoke earlier. Um, tell me some of the things that you've particularly done in your organisation with mm-hmm. regards to the US staff coming over to the UK and yeah. kind of embracing the, the culture that you you've set up and try to transfer across two companies. Yeah. So so um, so the first things. Sorry. So the point I was I was going to make was one of the first things that we did was we offered all of our US team. Um, the same benefits as the as the UK, so same holidays, same sick pay, um, same everything. And what normally happens is when they get a contract for the first time, they go, "Can they just uh, they check a few things?" It says here, twenty five days holiday. And we go, "Yep," and they go, "Really?" And we go, "Yeah." And so we made them part of the, the business in, in the same way. Um, we fly them over uh, twice a year. So we fly the US team over twice a year. We fly them over in the summer uh, for a party and we fly them over at Christmas for a party. Um, I'll just um, I'll just send these around actually. And you, have, have a, you can have a look at our, <laughs> that's, uh, that's, our yeah. that's our US team in, uh, just in the UK coming over and uh, visiting the UK. There's the, the, the back, there's a, there's a picture of me on a mug so everybody in our organization gets a mug with their image on it. We've got, we've got quite a big creative team. So there, there's, a, 
couple of guys in the creative team who will get your essence down. You'll laugh, you can see my essence, and they'll take your essence as a person, what you look like, and sort of, you know, in a, in a, uh, and then they will put it on a mug. So everybody gets sent a mug to the US, with, you know, once we get to know them. We bring them over because everybody gets uh, a chance to see how we build the product, they get a sense of the culture, so they understand the culture, and they understand how we do business and they make friends, so it's much easier to then do business uh, across territories. So everybody, you know, everybody kind of uh, flies over. Um, in terms of in terms of recruiting people, um, you know, it's not not only things that are universally true, right? But um, Americans uh, are taught how to be confident from a very young age. Right? Mm. So, so in an interview process, right? You're not you're not trying to weedle out who's a good communicator or not, right? <laughs> They're all good communicators. Um, what we do, what's important to our business anyway, is um, behaviors. So when you're recruiting it, you know, it, it's all about behaviors. So, and it's the same really everywhere um, for us, but um, in the meeting, do they, um, do they seek to clarify? Do they uh, seek to, um, do they seek to, uh, uh, close you in the interview? Do they follow up after the interview? Do they link in before? Do they link in after? Do they uh, understand, uh, have, have read your website and understand your business and can answer questions on it? Um, do, if there are points that have been made in the meeting, do they then follow through and, and deliver against those points? Salespeople, it's all about behaviours. You, you, you sales is not a job. It's, it's, it's almost a life you know is who you are and you can tell the difference and it's the people who actually do it Johnny does it all day does it to me you know <laughs> you know I feel like it, you know I'm, I know where I am with him all the time because he's, he's constantly demonstrating those behaviours so so it's that that type of thing okay and um, have you, how many years have you been in the US now three Brilliant. And how do you think your, your core product um, offerings have transferred to, to the US? Yeah. Well, I mean, we knew that we knew the product was working uh, because obviously we had users out there and we had pretty good feedback. Um, it's a learning product. Um, it's interesting. Our product's used in 140 countries um, and we do no translation and we do very little localization. And the reason for that is we're teaching people about technology, which is a universal subject. And the business language, uh, generally speaking, across the world is English, right? And so a lot of businesses we work with, we want, they want their people to learn in English because they want to encourage them to, under, you know, to do business in English. The only place, really, where under pressure to localize and translate is the US. And, you know... And we're in China, <laughs> and that's not the case, right? So in the US, people kind of expect, you know, if, you know, it, in the early days they would say that's a bit UK focused because I think in one of the lessons we we mentioned the Queen. <laughs> so the so it took so they were happy. They liked the English accent. They liked we always use English presenters. They liked the English presenters. They liked that aspect of the product, but. Um, it was really important for them that it was US examples, it was US centric, yeah. you know, it's a US team selling it. Um, so, so that's 
by having a team over there, we could get much more detailed feedback about those issues, and then we fed that into the product team, and then we changed the product accordingly. Um, and how soon or later into your, your journey in the US did was there a moment that you and Johnny realised that you could actually achieve everything you set out to do over there? Yeah, I mean, the first, I suppose the first year, the first six months was Johnny kind of setting up, you know, some of the sort of funny mistakes. Um, he's quite forthright, my brother. So, he, you know, he said, he just leave this with me. Um, so I did. And he decided that he would Airbnb when he first got there. So we Airbnb'd and beat for a couple of months and he chose Harlem. And uh, he didn't leave uh, his apartment at night for three months or whatever it was, you know, because it was too terrifying. <laughs> so we'd have to rush around in the daytime, you know. Uh, but so the first year was Johnny kind of setting everything up. Where was he going to live? He'd moved to Brooklyn. Where was the office going to be? It was in a place called Dumbo, which is in Brooklyn at the time. We've since moved to Madison Avenue, but he's he, that's where we started. Um, uh uh, got himself a girlfriend who's now his fiance. Uh, he worked out where the customers were. Um, he worked out the train routes. You know that took him six months. Then and then we sold for six months and we had a bit of a okay. This is interesting. We learned some more stuff. And then in the first year we did two million dollars of sales. So um, it you know it was it that was pretty clear then that mm. it was a big. Uh, it was it was a big opportunity, and then and then since then we've been growing at fifty percent a year um, in terms of sales growth. So so yeah, um, but uh, but like I say, you know, we benefit from also having big global clients. Yeah, um, just get everybody in the room thinking about what questions they'd, they'd like to ask you before then. Um, could you give us a couple of kind of key takeaways based on your your three year experience? That if if you had your time again. Uh, if we had a time, I mean, it, we did, you know, we did have a pretty easy time of it um, in many ways. You know, we didn't find it difficult uh, to incorporate. Uh, it wasn't difficult particularly to get visas. I mean, I think the thing that we did was we got advisors pretty quickly in the US. So we got US advisors in tax, uh, in legal, in accountancy. Um, um, we got good advisors, um, uh, and um, we would have probably have responded more quickly to uh, the U.S. requirement for us to make the product more U.S. centric. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, generally speaking, Johnny wouldn't have gone to Harlem. Uh, generally speaking, uh, you know, we found it a really enjoyable hard you know hard work but fun experience you know um, and you know technology has made uh, cracking America a lot a lot easier thing to do from the product being technology in our instance but also then technology um, to, uh, to 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 work as a global business and I would say that um, you know, visiting uh, businesses in their state is is a good thing to do. So um, we always sent people to their head offices, and they were always 
they're always really pleased that we did that. And we did the same thing in the UK. You know, like if 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 there was if there was a business in Manchester, we we wouldn't just call them; we would go and see them because people didn't go and see them. Mm. Uh, and it's the same it's the same in the US. It, you know, if if there was a business in Deloitte, we'd go on a plane, yeah. go and visit. Them. Excellent. Um, thank you for that. Um, I don't know if um, Philip or um, Emmanuel wanted to dive in with any initial questions or whether we should just open it straight up to the room. Anybody want a burning question they wanted to um, to ask? I'm happy to kick off and then everybody can just jump in. In terms of support systems, in addition to advisors, did you ever come across anything else, the embassy or the UK government or who knows what, even even corporate support schemes, accelerate programs that, that you considered or was that not on radar or not useful or, or um, part, of, part of your thinking at all? Um, we did talk to, we did talk to, you know, uh, trade bodies and, uh, and, uh, and organizations that were trying to help businesses to, 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 to get across there. Um, and you know, to a certain extent, we got some useful advice. But um, in the end, we said it's just about hard work and getting out there and kicking up the dust. And we were we were very lucky in the sense that Johnny um, is somebody who makes things happen. You know, and uh, you know, good sales practice is is what we would preach. Did Johnny's number start with a four? <laughs> no, it didn't at all, because uh, he was a founder, so it had to stay the same. Um, although we did, we did create a location uh, budget for him, so we paid for his apartment out there. Um, but but no, and, and he was quite reluctant initially. You know, I said, "Listen, you know, it looks like it's you, mate." Things we found in the US is that is people liked to meet the founders. You know, it's it's quite a common thing. They're very interested to meet the founders. They're very interested in the stories. They're very interested to hear about the people who've developed the business. It's a very business-friendly um, environment. Um, so, so that's also, you know, obviously uh, a big benefit of you you going across. We then, you know, we quickly built a team, and Johnny, for the first time, will step away from that team this year. So. Two years in, uh, two, well, three years in, uh, but two years with the team, um, he'll step away, and we've appointed somebody um, to run that team from the team that we've we've built. So uh, he will then go and sort of develop the business and be more sort of focused on PR and developing the uh, brand presence. And that's one of the ch- that's one of the challenges challenging things. I mean, I'm talking very much from a B two B perspective. B to C, I'm sure it's a whole other, you know, very difficult thing to do because it's such a massive market. Um, from a B to B perspective, even um, it, it's quite difficult to get brand recognition. You know, we're sort of 15 million turnover business um, approaching, and we still turn up to places and they go, "Wow, didn't you know? Be great. Why didn't you say? You know." Um, we were lucky in the sense that we had a, com- a competitor um, who raised uh, $130 million. Uh, we didn't raise anything really. We raised 450000 
after about three years. It was a small amount of money. They'd raised 130 million um, and they'd made the market, but with a substandard product. So we'd focused entirely on product uh, and very little on marketing. And we'd, you know, we'd focused on sales because we're B2B and that's what B2B businesses tend to do. Did you but, invest in any PR, for example, when you opened? No. So, so we did it all through referral. So, you know, we won Unilever uh, and Unilever became like the best referral engine you've ever known, you know? <laughs> and, and, and we just won so much business off the back of it because in, in many instances, you know, these people in big organizations, they churn uh, quite a lot of staff, you know? So places like Unilever have got 25% plus turnover of people. Um, in like marketing teams and stuff. So they they go to other places and they go, hey, you should use this product. So that's we, we did it very much from stimulating the network effect. And with a digital business, any kind of network effect is, is what you try and do. If it's built into the product, like a LinkedIn, fantastic. But if not, then it's built into the core values of creating great product. We, we, we were lucky in a sense, the company built a, a, an okay product and spent 130 million uh, building a market, and we followed in behind and just took their business. You know, um, they then sold uh, this year. Uh, but yeah, so you know, it's uh, it's hard to get. You know, the, the marketing thing is difficult because it's just a big old place, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're trying to build a business through marketing, there. It's expensive. Marketing's less predictable. Sales is much, much more predictable. Um, and it, and, you, and if you follow the, the right disciplines, um, you know, and you've got a good product, you can build quite quickly. So I hope you enjoyed that chat with Richard Townsend from Circus Street. Um, as I say, at the very first British American Business Accelerate series of events, which it was my pleasure to be a part of. So a couple of things that I wanted to talk about um, that we discussed. Before doing so, I'd just like to point you in the direction of the Screw It, Just Do It Facebook page. Um, for all the most up-to-date information on the latest podcast, the latest live events that we have, and also recently released our first ever Screw It, Just Do It podcast academy. We've got a series of masterclasses that I'm hosting, and you can have more information about those on our Facebook page. You can also pick up a free book that I put together Um, the Podcasting Secrets Black Book. Just head on over to download your copy of that. Um, And it will also have details on the Podcast Academy and some live masterclasses that I'm putting together if you'd like to have your own podcast. So on this week's episode, a number of subjects we could talk about. Um, What I found really interesting was Richard's talking about the differences in the culture, um, relating it to um, how direct people are in the north of England um, compared to the south and 
having recently in the last year or so started doing live events in Manchester, um, I can wholeheartedly agree with this. It's a, it's a much easier way to deal with people um, being very direct um, and the need for FaceTime, which I found really interesting as well. Meeting people one-to-one, especially in a country where um, they may not necessarily know you. Very important to go and meet them one-to-one. And from my point of view, you know, how often do you ever have a bad one-to-one? Where is this something that you, there's, there's nothing you take away from that meeting. I have very, very few of those instances where I meet someone for a coffee, for a drink, and there's not one thing that I can't take away from that meeting. Uh, product, so really interesting in how they were able to capitalize on their main competitor having an inferior product um, and those being um, the second or third even group of people, the second or third organization um, to make their mark and to learn from their mistakes. So it's not necessarily always the best to be um, first to market with a product uh, to be able to learn from the mistakes of your forebearers and predecessors. Um, they're obviously doing that really, really well, and they've decided to spend their time and their budget on ensuring that their product is the very best it can be. Referrals, being able to um, build your business through the power of referrals. I think not enough of us are asking for referrals. You know, Is it part of your process to go back after a successful relationship with that customer, a customer and ask them for a referral? Um, if they, if you've, if you've given them what they want, you've delivered what they want, um, and they're happy with that, why wouldn't they talk about you and refer you to people who you can help? Um, if you don't ask, you really aren't going to get. You know what's the worst thing that can can happen? They're not going to refer you. So I strongly advise you to do this. It's a great strategy to scale your business through referrals so just go out there and ask for it hope you enjoyed this week's episodes um, for further information about british american business themselves go to their website you can find them on linkedin as well and again a massive thank you to deloitte for hosting us at their stunning offices in london look forward to catching up with you later this week we'll have another episode towards the end of the week and have a great week If you like this podcast and you'd like the opportunity to attend one of our live events with some of the world's leading entrepreneurs, just go to startupu.co.uk and click on the events calendar. You'll be able to see our upcoming events calendar for the UK, pick up a ticket from as little as £10, which includes complimentary drinks and the opportunity to meet and connect with like-minded entrepreneurs, find a mentor or an investor. You'll also have the opportunity to meet our speakers and ask them your burning questions in person. Hope to see you there. If you're an entrepreneur looking to start or scale their business, then I'd love to help you. Being part of the Startup You community means we can help you in a number of ways. Simply go to Facebook and find Startup You Club through the different groups on there and join. We can help you in a number of different ways through daily inspiration and education through to accessing funding, investment and mentoring. In fact, pretty much anything that you'll need on your startup journey. 
And if you've got a great story that you'd like to share, then I'd also love to hear from you. Just go to startupu.co.uk, click on the contact page and drop me a message. I'd also love to connect with you personally. It's at Alex Chisnell on LinkedIn and Twitter and at Alexander Chisnell on Instagram. And if you enjoyed listening to this particular episode, then please subscribe and I'd massively appreciate a review. All you need to do is click on the ratings and review tab on iTunes and leave us your thoughts on there. Until the next show, remember, don't wait. The time will never be right. Action always beats intention. So just screw it. Just do it. This show is brought to you by RocketSpark, who make it easy for anyone to build a great-looking website. Each month, RocketSpark offer one lucky listener the opportunity to get a website absolutely free for the next six months to do some in-market testing of a new idea. Just go to rocketspark.com slash screw it, just do it to enter.